0: thank you for joining us. I'm your host, Nada Youssef, and you're listening to Health Essentials Podcast by Cleveland Clinic. Today, we're broadcasting from Cleveland Clinic main campus here in Cleveland, Ohio, and and we're here with Dr. Manoj Manga. Dr. Manga is the director of the Center for Endourology and Stone Disease in the Department of Urology here at Cleveland Clinic, and today we're talking about Kidney Stones. Thank you so much for being here today.
1: Nada, thank you. It's a pleasure to be here.
0: Thank you. And please remember, this is for informational purposes only, and it's not intended to replace your own physician's advice. So before we jump into topic, I'm just going to ask you uh, some random questions, just personal, just to get to know you better, if that's okay. So first of all, what is the best meal that you've ever had?
1: The best meal would have to be my mom's curry. Okay. Hi, mom. Yes. Uh, but really more important than what the meal is, is who you're eating with, exactly. and and it's a real pleasure to have had a chance to meet many people around the world and share in their cuisine.
0: That's amazing. I love curry. And then if you can live anywhere, anywhere, and do the same thing you're doing, where would that be?
1: Well, apart from Cleveland, uh, <laughs> really there, there's been many places I've had a, a fun opportunity to live in. Chicago, New Orleans, San Diego, and every city has its own character and its own culture. So. Yeah. I feel I could live anywhere because everywhere has something special.
0: Good. Good answer. And then if you weren't a physician today, what would you be doing?
1: I'd be a musician. Musician? Yeah, I'd love to be a musician and travel around and play and, again, get a chance to interact with people from different cultures.
0: And what do you play? Saxophone. Oh, that's amazing. That's great. All right. Well, today we're talking about kidney stones. And kidney stones send half a million people to the emergency room every year. And in many cases, stones pass through the body naturally, but some stones may not pass and then may require surgical treatment. So I wanted to talk about that. But before our discussion, can I have uh, a moment for you to to introduce yourself to our viewers and tell us what kind of patients you see?
1: Certainly. uh, I'm a urologist. A urologist is a surgeon who looks after uh, illnesses of the kidneys, the bladder, and the ureter, and, and other reproductive organs. Uh, my area of focus is in kidney stones, and we work both in in regards to surgical therapy for stones as well as medical prevention and dietary prevention to try to avoid the surgeries that, that uh, we're, we're performing on a daily basis.
0: Okay, so any urologist is also a surgeon?
1: Yes, any urologist is also a surgeon.
0: Okay, all right. Um, so first, let's go ahead and talk about kidney stones. What are they made out of? What is the estimated size as well?
1: So kidney stones typically are either calcium oxalate, calcium phosphate, or uric acid. Uh, A rarer type of stone is cysteine. And stones range in size from a millimeter to three or four centimeters. So. They can come in all shapes and sizes and colors.
0: Mm-hmm. So if someone thinks that they have a kidney stone, how, what kind of tests are performed to diagnose the patient?
1: So we, we always start off with uh, eliciting a history, finding out why do they feel they have a stone, what type of symptoms do they have, an examination to see whether the discomforts they're having are in the region of the kidney. And uh, then we would uh, typically check a urine test to look for any signs of infection or blood. And from there would proceed to imaging.
0: Okay. Now with imaging, are you able to determine the location then of the stone?
1: Yes, there's a variety of types of imaging, ultrasound and CT scans. Mm -hmm. Some of them are better in terms of less radiation and cost, and some of them are better in terms of the accuracy with which they can give us information to help guide a patient.
0: Okay. So let's talk about how they pass. Do they pass on their own? And obviously we know that there could be surgery as well. So can we talk about what things to expect, when is it time to see a physician?
1: So the most common presentation or the most common way that a stone will pass is that a, a patient will report having an excruciating pain mm-hmm. uh, out of the blue, often waking them up or bringing them to their knees, and and that pain is is probably what characterizes kidney stone disease the greatest. Mm-hmm. Uh, the uh, the pain is typically underneath the ribcage and can radiate towards the front. Uh, there can be some nausea and vomiting associated with, with this, mm-hmm. and so those would be the things that would most commonly lead to the patient visiting the emergency room and uh, having an evaluation to see if the kidney stone is the issue.
0: Okay, and then what are the options if the stone doesn't pass?
1: So the options if the stone doesn't pass depend on the size and location of the stone. Mm-hmm as well as certain things related to the patient. Are they on blood thinners? Are they slender or obese? Those could tailor which therapy we recommend. Mm-hmm. In general, there would be four options, observing the stone to see if it had passed by itself, mm-hmm. wave to break it up into little pieces, or one of two types of endoscopic procedures.
0: Okay, great. And now do, do kids also, are they uh, able to get kidney stones as well? Do you deal with
1: Pediatrics as well. Yes, uh, kids also form kidney stones, mm-hmm. though the most common age to present with a stone is around the age of 40 to 50. Okay. Uh, so unfortunately, the risk of kidney stones is increasing in children, mm-hmm. and so we do have to not only modify our surgical approaches to the, the smaller size of a child, but also work a little more closely on prevention.
0: And you said the risks have been increasing? They have, yes. Is there a reason for that?
1: The thought is that it's most likely related either to exercise or diet or both. And uh, in the diet, the most common things that are associated with a higher risk or increasing uh, likelihood of people forming stones is too much salt in the diet and too much uh, fructose.
0: Okay, so too much sugar and too much salt is Mm -hmm. what kids are eating and that's causing more kidney stones? Yes. Yeah. Okay, so are there long-term consequences of having a kidney, stones, a kidney stone? And what is the risk of getting another one once you have one?
1: So the risk of uh, forming a second stone after the first one is about 50-50 wow. over the course of five years. Okay. And uh, the long-term effects beyond repeated bouts of, of pain from mm-hmm. passing a stone are, are relatively few. The chance of having kidney damage or other long-term issues from, from a kidney stone are unlikely, mm-hmm. as long as if there is a stone that gets stuck, it gets treated in an expeditious manner.
0: Okay. Now, I know we talked about treatment with some of these procedures, but how do you determine which procedure is right for each patient?
1: So we uh, review the imaging, and uh, when we discuss the types of imaging, the one that gives us the most information is a CAT scan. With the CAT scan, we can measure the size, the hardness of the stone, how deep the stone is in the body, and the location. Mm. And those four things would guide us as to whether the shockwave might be an alternative or whether they would be better suited for an endoscopic approach.
0: Okay. And then I, I've also read that open stone surgery, which is a major surgical procedure, is rarely performed. Is that correct? So what you're mentioning, they're all minimal, minimally invasive procedures correct these are not open
1: surgeries. yes that's right the evolution of stone therapy really started in the 1980s mm-hmm. and since then there was a, a rapid change away from large incisions to minimal invasive approaches
0: okay so there are some uh, uh, chances that there may be a need for an open surgery for these kidneys if it's too big or
1: uh, typically not for a kidney stone okay. uh, sometimes people will have large stones in the bladder in which mm-hmm. case, it might be better to r- remove it with an open surgery than to do, do something more more endoscopic.
0: Is there any way the stone passes without me knowing, or is it very, very painful for every single person? Yeah,
1: some people are fortunate that they, they don't have much discomfort with ah. their stone passage, but the majority of people would know.
0: They would know. Okay, they, and how long does it usually take once you have it, or does it again depend on the size? It does depend on the
1: size, Yes. Yeah. So mm-hmm. on average, it might take a few days if it's a one or two millimeter stone but it might take up to three or four weeks if it's a six or seven millimeter stone.
0: Wow, okay. And can these be fatal at all?
1: On a rare occasion, they can. Uh, Most commonly, if there is an associated infection. If one has a stone and an infection, if the urine isn't draining well, it can lead to serious issues.
0: Okay, and then earlier you mentioned some of the symptoms included uh, sharp pain from the ribcage area, you said? Right? Yes. Uh-huh. And then also nausea. Is there, are there any other symptoms that um, if we have it could be a kidney stone?
1: Yes, I might rephrase it that it's more of a dull ache that comes dull. and goes in waves underneath the, underneath the ribcage and radiating sometimes to the front.
0: Okay, so it goes and comes back. It's not Exactly right. Okay, it's not permanent. And then how about um, silent stones? I've heard silent stones have no symptoms at all? And why is that, and, and how would we know if we do have it?
1: So we believe that the pain occurs when the kidney gets blocked. Okay. And so silent stones might be a stone that may even reach a large size, but somehow the urine finds a way around the stone, and without the blockers, there's no pain.
0: Sure. Okay, and then let's talk a little bit about the causes and the risks of developing those kidney stones. We talked about the diet. You said uh, fructose, sugar, and salt, as mm-hmm. well as exercise. Mm-hmm. When you say exercise... Lack of exercise could
1: cause a kidney stone? Yes. And first, maybe I'll backtrack to say that it's a combination, as with most most things in medicine, a Mm -hmm. genetic predisposition, as well as how you live your life. Okay. So depending on the type of stone, up to 80% of your risk of forming a stone is related to your genetics. Mm -hmm. And that doesn't necessarily mean that you can't modify that risk by being healthy, eating well, exercising, avoiding being obese. Okay. So certainly obesity and lack of exercise can increase your risk of stones.
0: Okay, now um, does is lack of drinking water, does that cause kidney stones? I've, I've heard that before, is that true?
1: Yes, so uh, keeping the urine as dilute as possible will mm-hmm. decrease the chance that crystals come together to form a stone. So whether it be water or any other type of fluid that one enjoys drinking, Mm -hmm. uh, drinking a lot is important.
0: Okay. So what do you recommend as a healthy diet for someone to prevent having kidney
1: stones? So the target is to drink about two to two and a half liters of fluids a day. Mm -hmm. Any type of liquids except for black tea and dark colas. Mm -hmm. Those two things may increase your risk of stones. But anything else is good to drink. Limiting the sodium to less than 1,500 to 2,000 milligrams a day, Mm -hmm. watching yourself. That means eating fresh, eating at home, eating healthy. The third thing is taking an adequate amount of calcium. Uh, So often there is a uh, a, uh, misconception that one should limit your calcium if you have a calcium stone. Mm -hmm. But it's important to take an adequate amount amount of calcium a day, which means two to three servings per day of a calcium rich food. Mm -hmm. And then the fourth thing is eating lots of fruits and vegetables, especially those that are rich in citrates, lemons, limes, oranges, and melons, because citrate is an important inhibitor of stones forming.
0: Okay, great. So you mentioned black tea. Um, I'm a big fan of black tea. Can you tell me why? What is, what, is, what is it about black tea that could cause kidney stones? Yeah,
1: so there's a substance called oxalate, mm-hmm. which can be a component of some types of stones. And there's a high amount of oxalate in black tea compared to green tea. Mm -hmm. If one adds milk to the tea, then that'll help offset the oxalates because the calcium in the milk will bind the oxalates and prevent it from being a problem.
0: Okay. So um, if someone's listening to us right now and they're having any of the symptoms that you just mentioned, um, when is it absolutely the, the, the time to call your physician.
1: Well, anytime that you have a concern about your health, it's important to see your physician. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, t- the time is right now. Yeah, so, okay. so if you are having things that you're concerned of, talk to your physician. They'll, as I mentioned, examine you and elicit more details about what you're feeling sure. and decide whether imaging would be appropriate.
0: Okay. And then once um, I see a doctor, let's say it's a kidney stone that is passing, do I still see a urologist who's also a surgeon or do, you see a, do we see a different physician? if no surgery is
1: needed? Yes. uh, So the decision to to see a urologist will be, to a certain degree, guided by either your primary doctor or the emergency room doctor, who sees you initially. Mm -hmm. It's always helpful to see a urologist, even if you pass your stone. There may be other stones that are silent in the kidney that need to be discussed. Mm -hmm. And then we can also work with you on the preventive aspects of stone disease.
0: Now, when you mentioned that there are different types of stones, Um, So, what predicts what kind of stone you end up developing?
1: So, once again, we come back to genetics, Mm -hmm. part of of, uh, what type of stone you form is likely related to your genetics. It Mm -hmm. may be related to your microbiome, which is the type of bacteria that are are in your body. Uh, We try to predict what type of stone it may be by evaluating the urine with a test that's where you collect the urine for 24 hours. Mm And that can often guide us not only as to what type of stone you're prone to, but also what are the best approaches to preventing those stones.
0: Sure, sure. Okay, well, this was short and sweet. (laughs) But if there's anything else you would like to add um, for our viewers or our audience to help them prevent any kind of development of kidney stones, uh, what would you say?
1: So, So I'd say the general things I would tell people who don't necessarily have stones is to do the same things that your doctor tells you to be healthy for your heart, for your brain, which is eating well, exercising, getting good rest, and trying to avoid stress.
0: Okay. Voice stress that's a hard one now isn't it all right thank you so much it's been a pleasure my pleasure and to schedule an appointment with dr manga or another kidney stone specialist please call 216-444-5600 and for more information please download our treatment guide at clevelandclinic.org slash kidney stones and thanks again to our listeners for listening today and if you would like to listen to more of our health essentials podcasts from cleveland clinic experts make sure you go to clevelandclinic.org org slash H E podcast, or you can subscribe on iTunes. And for more health tips, news and information, make sure you're following us on Facebook, Twitter, Snapchat, and Instagram at Cleveland clinic, just one word. Thank you. We'll see you again next time. This concludes this Cleveland clinic health essentials podcast. Thank you for listening. Join us again soon.